This is Caps This Morning with John Walton and Ben Raby on Caps Radio 24-7. The Capitals rallied twice to down the Devils. Daniel Sprong making a case to stay in the lineup and the Rangers destroy the Flyers again. Good morning, everybody. It's Friday, March 26th. Welcome to Caps This Morning here on Caps Radio 24-7. The Capitals kicked off a two-game set with the Devils last night, winning by a score of 4-3. to And Ben, impressive in how they did it, having to rally from a couple of different one-goal deficits. You play every game as it comes to you. And the Capitals, I thought, did a great job of shaking off the rust and finding a way to get the two points. Yep, thought they weathered the early storm from the New Jersey Devils. A uh, turnover from Vitek Vanacek opening the door for New Jersey to take an early one nothing lead. But I thought after that, collectively, Capitals settled down and Vanacek kept them in it in the first period. May get lost in the shuffle. I thought he was sharp in the later stages of the first period when the Devils were pouring it on and dictating play. But it allowed the Capitals in the second period to really gain control of the game. And it was thanks in large part the headliners, Alex Ovechkin with a multi-point night, Evgeny Kuznetsov eventually with a multi-goal night, and their goals in the second period, less than five minutes apart as the Capitals erased a one-goal deficit, took a one-goal lead into the third period. Really, that second period, it's been the Capitals' best this season. It was the case again in this game against New Jersey, but thanks in part to the headliners, giving them the opportunity to take that lead and hang on for the eventual 4-3 win. Want to talk about Daniel Sprong and maybe a bigger conversation about what the lines may look like for tonight's game two. Uh, Sprong, I thought, was terrific. Here's a guy who plays just over two minutes of the first period last night, but he ended up with an assist on Dmitry Orlov's goal. He got more ice time in the second, got a promotion to the top line. He played with Alex Ovechkin and then assisted on Alex's goal. Uh, Ken Sabrin said last night, and I thought correctly, that Oshie goes in more or less for defensive purposes in the third period. But thoughts on Daniel Sprong's night, and may we see him tonight in that same role on the top line? If we do, I think it'll play out the way it did last night. I, I just I don't see him, John, as a player who's going to be playing 14, 15, 16 minutes a night. I still think Daniel Sprong is a 10, 12 minute a night player at most right now. And he could certainly contribute offensively. He doesn't look out of place skating alongside Kuznetsov and Ovechkin and good for them. Good for him that he's able to keep up with the big boys offensively and he's able to create with them. But when it comes down to crunch time, when you're protecting a one goal lead, I don't know that he's somebody and he's not alone in this regard. I don't know that you want him out there on the ice a whole lot in those situations. And that's why it's certainly valuable to have TJ Oshie playing upwards of eight minutes last night in the third period with the game on the line, protecting a one goal lead late in regulation. But it's worth noting, John, I'm in favor of shortening the bench. I, I like that Laviolette has done that. He doesn't care what your name is. He doesn't care what your paycheck says. He'll sit you down in the third period if the game's on the line and he wants players he could trust defensively. But that's a pretty, that, that's a growing list now. There, there's a handful of players, John, who saw very limited ice time in the third period last night. And if you go back even a few over the past few weeks, we've seen multiple players really play limited minutes in the third period. Laviolette's not afraid to do it, but what I'm getting at is maybe a little worrisome that it's it's really it's it's a handful of players who are part of that group now. Yeah, and here they are. Jacob Vrana, third period last night, two minutes and fifty-eight seconds. Daniel Sprong played just two oh eight for the aforementioned reasons. Richard Ponick 
only one minute and 40 seconds. And Ponick's night last night, Ben, I, I'm kind of mystified on how it went because there was a time where we thought TJ Oshie, if we looked at the morning skate, TJ is going to be your number one right wing. We watched the warm up, and it was the same thing. Ponick's going to center the third line. All right, here we go. And then the lineup comes out last night, and Ponick ends up being your number one right wing, at least to start. He got a pretty good opportunity, I thought, last night to play on the top line, show what he could get. And by the end of the night, he only plays a minute 40 of the third period. He's off the top line. He played less than five minutes in the Ranger game last Saturday. Richard Ponick's not seeing a lot of time right now. No, and here's the thing with Ponick, and we've seen this over the past couple of years, the past two seasons that he's been here in Washington. He wasn't exactly brought here for the finish. He did have, I believe, a 20-goal season years ago earlier in his career or close to it. But that being said, he hasn't shown a knack for finding the back of the net here. And if you're not going to be scoring goals, contributing offensively at a good rate. And then you're also not going to be on the ice late in the third period, protecting leads and can't be trusted defensively. Then what is it exactly you do here? And for that reason, if we're, it's a numbers game and you're looking at who might be the 13th forward, who might be the extra forward, it's certainly possible as we look forward to a potential return of Lars Eller, if not tonight against New Jersey, hopefully in the upcoming two set against the Rangers, but you do wonder about Richard Ponick, where he fits in and where he, he, he could be best utilized by the team. Because again, I don't, it's, it's not in the top six role. That's not sustainable to have him playing on a top line with, with Ovechkin and Kuznetsov. That's not his game. But again, if, if he's not going to stick lower down the depth chart, you know, when, when you need that defensively responsible big body, maybe that he provides, then I think you're, you're running out of options to, to where he fits in. Here's some good news from last night. Evgeny Kuznetsov, two goals. The first time since December 31st, 2019, that he scored more than one goal in a game. I thought Evgeny's first period last night, honestly, was pretty rough. But I thought he got better. I thought he was engaged in the third period, uh, playing alongside Ovechkin with Oshie in the third period. He ends up getting uh, the last two goals of the game for Washington, including the game winner. Let's hope there's more where that came from. The one thing that we've been talking about with him, and the points have been coming of late, it's been better. Uh, but to see some goals going in for him, uh, if he's able to do that, this team is going to be awfully tough to beat down the stretch. Two even strength goals all year coming into last night's game, and he matched that total in the second and third periods. A pair of even strength goals, his first multi-goal game in quite some time, as you noted on the broadcast, since December 31, 2019. So it had been a minute. But what I take away as well from Kuznetsov's game, we found out in the post game, Kuznetsov volunteered this information he approached Peter Laviolette. The time frame on this isn't clear, but he approached Laviolette at some point recently and asked for the opportunity for some more ice time, asked for more responsibility, asked for some more defensive responsibilities, wants to be on the ice in late game situations, protecting the lead, et cetera. And Laviolette acknowledged, yeah, everybody wants to play in late game situations. You have to earn it. You have to show me what you want, uh, that, that, that you're worthy of that. And it goes back to what we talked about in the offseason, John, when, when a head coaching change was made. Capitals were looking for a head coach who, among other things, could push the right buttons, hold guys accountable, and bring out the best in players like Evgeny Kuznetsov. And this is one small example, and we'll see if this is sustainable right now, but it's an encouraging sign, I think, as the Capitals head for the, the stretch run in earnest now, that Kuznetsov and Laviolette apparently – there's a relationship there where Laviolette could push the buttons. And based on what they both said following last night's game, seems to be that the message has gotten through to Kuznetsov. He's embracing the challenge and he's hoping to make the most of this opportunity. 
One other thought about last night's game before we look at the out-of-town board and get ready for tonight's game with the Devils. Uh, goaltending. Vitek Vanacek, I, I thought this was a little bit of a struggle for him. Uh, the, game, the two goals that he allowed that he probably should not have, but I liked his battle. I liked the fact that even though he didn't have his best stuff, he found a way to win. Ilya Samsonov, no doubt, will get the start tonight. They will probably still go back and forth given the workload and the amount of games this team still has to play. But I thought for Vitek, this might have been one of his toughest starts of the season, if not his toughest, to be down early. His team bailed him out, and then he made the big saves at the end. But that's what you got to do some nights. You got to be able to find a way to win, and Vitek did that last night. Yeah, the two goals he allowed, the two first goals he allowed were could have been very deflating. And you talk about the team picking them up. Quick response goals for the Capitals last night was a common theme. And New Jersey had three goals and all three times the Capitals responded with one of their own within the following two minutes. But the first two goals were certainly deflating. I'll also point John in the addition of the third period, some big saves he made. Also, the later stages of the first period thought the Devils were coming in waves for stretches of the first period and a power play chance where they had a number of opportunities in the first period to restore their lead. And Vanacek, I thought, at least gave the Capitals the opportunity to head into the dressing room tied at one as opposed to facing a deficit after the first 20 minutes. So certainly goals he would like to have back, but uh, on the other side, some some big saves at, at big moments to help the Capitals stay in the game and ultimately hang on for the two points. But I agree with you overall. You look at the, the full body of work, the goals he allowed were just really on the weaker side. I'm sure ones he'd like to have back. And you'd hope that when Vanacek gets back in goal, uh, he'll have a bounce back performance himself. Then we'll have more on Caps uh, game day coming up here at four o'clock as far as game two is concerned with the Devils. But about last night in the Mass Mutual East. On the right half wall, Panarin down low. Mika Zibanejad. Strong rank wide pass. Zibanejad's one-timer. This time he missed. Same play. Out left point, Panarin. Into Zibanejad, tipped it out to the blue line. Fox gives it up. Now in front, Zibanejad scores. Are you kidding me? His third goal of the game, Mika Zibanejad has made it 5-0 New York. Point is, there aren't too many goaltenders that are going to be keeping their team in it when the club is playing this way in front of them. From the point, oh, a shot eludes. Brian Elliott, and it's Keandre Miller from the point. He just threw that at the net, and it found the top corner. This is unbelievable. It's 6-0. Yeah, that's Tim Saunders, my buddy on the Flyers radio network, and truly one of the funniest people that I have known in this league. There's not a lot of ha-ha going on right now in the city of brotherly love. And, Ben, this game last night, the Rangers clobber the Flyers again. 8-3 the final. Mika Zibanejad set an NHL record. More on that in a moment. But he had a natural hat trick in the second period again against the Flyers. Another six-point game against the Flyers. 12 points in two games in just over a week's time against the Flyers. That's an NHL record for two games against the same opponent back-to-back in a regular season. Carter Hart allows five on 11. Brian Elliott comes on in relief. The Rangers win eight to three and now are tied the exact same record between the Rangers and the Flyers tied for fifth place chasing Boston in the Mass Mutual East what is going on with the Philadelphia Flyers man two teams heading in different directions Philadelphia Flyers now having lost nine of their last 12 and the struggles continue for Carter Hart 
Again, we thought that the Philadelphia Flyers had this goaltending situation after decades. We thought at long last they had solved the issue in goal, right? But apparently not. And a big drop off from Carter Hart and collectively the Philadelphia Flyers. This is uh, the sample size growing now again, having dropped nine of 12, three, eight and one record in that stretch and getting blown out in these games. Easy to forget because the the two games against the Rangers stick out, but they also had a 6-1 shellacking against the New York Islanders over the past week as well. So that's three blowout losses over the the previous eight nights that the Philadelphia Flyers had. So not good. They drop into officially, they drop into sixth place in the East Division. The Rangers passing them just based on the regulation wins tiebreaker, but the New York Rangers, meanwhile, suddenly pulling within three points of Boston for, for the final playoff spot. I know you'll have the full standings in a moment, but Rangers gaining ground and the Philadelphia Flyers quickly losing it as far as uh, playoff opportunity is concerned. And as we have mentioned in this space, uh, the Rangers getting the four spot of the Capitals, the one may not be the best matchup for the locals here in D.C. And we now head to our favorite soap opera as the Sabres turn. Oh, those Sabres. Interim head coach Don Granato, before the game last night, went into COVID protocol. One of his assistants did as well. So before the game even starts in Pittsburgh, general manager Kevin Adams, who is a first-time general manager and has never coached, he was in the marketing department with the Sabres, a longtime NHL player. He knows his stuff, but he, he hasn't been a coach before. He is now the head coach for last night's game against Pittsburgh. Final score, 4 nothing. Pittsburgh gets a goal from Jared McCann, among others. It is now a losing streak of 16 straight, Ben, the longest losing streak by any NHL team since the shootout era starting in the 2005-2006 season. I don't know that I even have words for this anymore. The Sabres have lost 16 straight games. That is more than one quarter of the season. No wins. And just no life getting badly outplayed and blowout losses galore over this stretch as well. And Thinking back to when the Capitals played in Buffalo a few weeks ago, there was no pushback. There was no fight. There was no emotion. There was no life. And listening to Buffalo Sabres analysts and commentaries over the past few weeks, that seems to be a common theme over this stretch as well. And of note, no real surprise here, but Taylor Hall was asked. He hasn't. He does have a no-move clause in his contract, but he was asked if he would welcome a trade out of Buffalo, potentially to a contender here for the stretch run, and he didn't hesitate. He shot back immediately uh, a little bit of a grin. He said, yeah, for sure. So that's uh, that pretty much sums up the state of the Buffalo Sabres right now. Players wanting out and uh, just uh, a lifeless team right now, lifeless organization. Yeah, kind of tough to hang around if you're Taylor Hall, especially on a one-year deal. Now, the game last night that was of the most importance to the Capitals featured the Bruins and the Islanders, a game in Boston. The Bruins got off to a good start, scoring twice in the first period, 2 nothing lead after one but the Islanders battle back, force overtime, and Anthony Beauvillier scores 21 seconds into OT. The Islanders continue to hold down first place in the East. They down the Bruins 4-3 in overtime. For the Bruins, this was their first game in a week after COVID issues and maybe even bigger to the Bruins' chances. And again, if you're the New York Rangers, it is all coming up blue shirts right now. Tuka Rask, injured in the first period, Left after first intermission, upper body injury, and nothing else we know about it yet. Jarl Halak comes in, makes 17 saves, but takes the OTL. Simeon Varlama off the win for the Islanders. The Isles have now won three straight and are 5-0 and against Boston this season. Yeah, Islanders continuing to give the Boston Bruins the business. 
And it, it, how about this, John, the potential? I mean, the Bruins still have games in hand on the Rangers, but as the Rangers gain ground and close that gap, how about the possibility here of the Bruins and Flyers potentially if this plays out, being the two teams on the outside of playoff positioning in the East Division at the beginning of the year, early on in the year, you would have said, who are the biggest threats to the Capitals in this division? Most people would have said almost unanimously in some order, the Boston Bruins or Philadelphia Flyers, the top contenders in this division. And here they are essentially uh, in the fight for the fourth and final playoff spot in the East Division. And uh, the Bruins, they, they do have a lot of games to make up still because of some COVID postponements, et cetera. They have games in hand. You got to win your games in hand. And here they were returning tonight and they ultimately blow a multi-goal lead last night in the loss to the New York Islanders. All right. So the standings look like this as we get going on this Friday morning, the New York Islanders continue to hold down the top spot in the division, 48 points after that win over Boston. The Capitals continue to have two games in hand. They will burn that this evening. There are no other division games tonight. Caps devils will be it. So the Caps win. They will catch the Islanders for the top spot in the East. Pittsburgh continues to win 44 points as they pick up the win over Buffalo. They still have a lot of games with the Sabres upcoming, firmly entrenched inside the playoff picture now. The Pittsburgh Penguins, Boston, part of a 4-5-6 in this division that is interesting to say the least. Boston 37, Philadelphia 34, the New York Rangers now at 34, and boy, that could go either way. You're right about Boston and the games at hand, but if they don't win them, this could get interesting really quickly. Ben, this uh, Pittsburgh team, and just one last thought from you before we go on them, I'm really impressed with what I've seen, a team that, quite frankly, I was not very impressed with for the most part in the first half. I don't know why Brian Burke and Ron Hextall, they haven't made any moves. Nope. But obviously, they've had some influence because this team has changed completely since they came on board, and right now, uh, Pittsburgh uh, looked like they could be on the outside looking in maybe a month ago, and here they are. Uh, they're very much in at this point, and I would expect them to stay that way. Yeah, objects in the rearview mirror, sometimes closer than they appear. Yes, the Capitals have played fewer games than Pittsburgh, but look at the Penguins. They're right there. They're two points behind the Capitals. In fact, John, if you look at the top three teams in the division, the Islanders, Capitals, Penguins, just four points separating the top three teams in the division in the Isles, Caps, and Penguins. So uh, the Capitals with some company now in that race for top spot in the division, and the Penguins, again, with all those games still upcoming against the Buffalo Sabres, they do have an opportunity to continue to collect wins and points, and uh, certainly something the Capitals ought to be aware of as they look to keep their foot on the gas pedal as well. Caps Devils take two tonight at 7 o'clock. Coverage begins with Ben Caps game day at 4 o'clock, Network Air, at 6.45. Hey, Ben, have yourself a very nice weekend, will you? Happy Friday. We'll speak to you later, John. For the latest on the Capitals and hockey news around the clock. Let's go, Caps! Tune in to Caps Radio 24-7. Listen online via the Capitals mobile app at CapsRadio247.com or ask Alexa to play Caps Radio 24-7 on TuneIn.